0: What's up, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of Texans All Access, kicking off another week of training camp right here at the Houston Methodist Training Center. I am your host, John Harris, football and sideline reporter, and we are in the Hyundai Texans radio studio, and the we part of this is the voice of the Texans joining me, my partner,
1: Mark Vandermeer? Mark, good evening. We are live at Slam and Sammy's tonight. <laughs> you miss it, don't you? Of course, I miss Slam and Sammy's, named after the great Sam Sneed at the Greenbrier. We used to do the evening show there, which was really nice, right? It was the end of the day. Yeah. We'd be sitting there overlooking the 18th green of the Greenbrier Old White Course, where they used to have a PGA championship or tournament, I shouldn't say championship. And that was awesome to do the show from there, but it's also awesome to be here.
0: And you would get your cranberry and soda. Of course. And I would get an R. Palmer. And we might of share course. some fries, which got some side eyes from people. Like, yeah, of course, we'll share some fries if we, if we need to. We've done enough shows together. We can, definitely, we can definitely do that, no doubt about that. All right, a little later in the show, we're going to hear from Blake Cashman. Mark, you had a chance to catch up with him, and I want to I touch on him with a little bit of uh, observations uh, from training camp, we will also have an interview with Jimmy Morrissey. Yeah, I had Jimmy uh, today. And so we're going to have Jimmy on with us a little bit later in the show. So we've got those two to look forward to. But Mark, I want to just dive right into observations from training camp Do it. of what we were able to see. We didn't get to see everything. And obviously I got to see a little bit more than you because you gave me a few breaks as you played interviews and stuff in the show. But first, Day in pads, I gotta say, looking back, pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. Thought the offense came back and did some did some really good things today. And I said this to you, I can't remember if I said this on the air or off the air. I can't remember. We we talk on and off so often. But Saturday was a struggle a little bit offensively, a lot of check downs. That's fine. Didn't throw any picks or anything like that. So it was okay. But today when the run was actually a part of the offense. Dave Mills is actually able to deal a little bit more. I thought he looked very, very good today.
1: Well, you're seeing execution. You're seeing the uh, short to intermediate game work very well. I think the deep ball is not quite where they want it to be yet. But, Johnny, I was thinking about this. If you're Gary Kubiak or Bill O'Brien versus a Lovey Smith, in other words, head coach who's an offensive coordinator type becoming a head coach versus a defensive coordinator type who – isn't becoming a head coach. He's been a head coach for a long time, but how do you look at practice? How does Lovey see it? When Lovey sees the offense making plays against the defense, sure he's happy for the offense. Like David Cully used to say, I'm rooting for the Houston Texans, or however he put it about training camp practices and which side of the ball he's looking at and what he feels when he sees one side execute over the other. I'm wondering how Lovey sees it because – You need to develop this offense. I am confident that the defense is going to be much better than it was in 2021, and I think that, look, we've been over this material a lot. I think it was better than advertised, better than a lot of the rankings based on the takeaways, based on the fact that the offense struggled. Offense will be better. I believe this defense will be a whole lot better, and I know you feel that way too.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt, and there were plenty of uh, winners today, I thought, today at training camp. Of course, everybody loses on the other side too, but I thought there were some guys – that stood out. And, Mark, I want to hit you with them and then All right. give you know a thought on what those guys potentially could mean for this particular team. And some of the names you may have heard us talk about in the morning, and, and that's fine. But given the opportunity to think through it, we watched practice um, in here a little bit later and had an opportunity to kind of watch it a little bit more in depth. And, wow, boy, this guy, holy smokes. These guys, one in particular – well, there's not one in particular. There, there were plenty. The first one to me, and I think we've talked about him a lot, so I don't want to spend too much time on him, but Rasheem Green. And I keep asking myself this, Mark, as it pertains to Rasheem Green. And people have asked me, and it's a pretty easy answer in some sense, but why didn't the Seattle Seahawks bring him back if he's so good, John? Why did they bring him back? And I instantly say, well, it was a – it was a defensive change, kind of a mm-hmm. defensive regime change. So they wanted to go in a different direction, and Rashim was available. And that made me think, gosh, why didn't did, did, did the other teams just miss the boat? Like, what is it? They he's he's a younger, four-year veteran. I mean, I think the guy just turned 25 and he's put four years into the league. I think he might even be just 24. Like, what did they miss? Because the guy that I'm watching has two, he's about 280 pounds, long. He looks like he was. Just, he's a cyborg. It looks like he was built in a lab. And his inside-outside, I it's making me question myself of what I think a good football player is because I'm watching him going, this guy should have been picked up by a lot of different teams, and I'm so glad he's here. I'm hoping they just all missed for some reason, and we've
1: got a gem with Rasheem Green. Your thoughts? Well, he just turned 25 in May, so he is young. He was injured during 2020. Maybe that has something to do with it. Look, I don't know. Sometimes guys leave after four years. You don't yeah. resign all your free agents. Maybe it's not even a total money thing. It's just something else. You have other plans. Because he did play all 16 games, or he did play all 17 games, rather, last week and started last year and started 16 for the Seahawks. I think that it's one of those deals. Ben Jones and Brandon Brooks come to mind here. Yeah. As players who were good, you didn't resign them because you had your reasons, whatever, Mm -hmm. and they go on to do very well. And do you regret that? Look, you had some success without them. Let's be honest. You won divisional championships without them. Could you have been better with them? We could debate that all day. Did you have the money to sign them? All that sort of stuff. So for whatever reason, the Seahawks did not pull the trigger on getting Rasheem Green back. But the Texans have him now. And, yeah, it looks like he's extremely happy to be here. Like, he wants to play for even bigger money, bigger reasons, bigger results. And hopefully he can get them here because the guys I keep hearing you talk about making plays on defense. Oh, look at Jerry Hughes. Look what he just just did. Look at Mario Addison. He just makes a play. Rasheem Green. Good. And I haven't even gotten to the rookies yet. These are new additions that are vets. Steven Nelson likely starting at corner, we think, maybe. We'll see. But he can do it. He was a starter on a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Let's see what these players can contribute in addition to the vets you brought back who were the good ones.
0: You mentioned Steven Nelson. I feel like he's had a really good good camp to start through the first three days for us. They had a couple other practices, so the first five days. But he looks really good in coverage. And the one thing that I pay attention to probably a little bit more because just seeing in the NFL so often, defense pass interference, defensive holding, the NFL versus college game, and I know Steven's been in the NFL for a while, but the NFL is very, very particular about what they let go and what they don't let go, and they are very, very stingy with flags when guys are that handsy. I they say stingy. They, they're free to throw the flags when guys are that handsy and physical, and I've not seen that from Steven. Steven has been very good in coverage. Feet, footwork has been very good. Sting's coming along. Uh, So, Steven Nelson, I feel like, has had a good one. Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes. I'm glad you brought up Mario Addison. I've always, and we've played probably over the years, Mario Addison, three, four times. And every time that we get ready to play, and we have gotten ready to play in the past, Mario Addison, I always freaked out about him. I always felt like he was going to wreck something. Just the way that he went after the quarterback, how just relentless he was when he was younger. And then when the Texans signed him, I thought, man, gosh, I wish we had him five, seven years ago. I'm glad we have him now, but I wish we had him five, seven years ago. I'm watching him pass rush today in one-on-ones, and it's a clinic. Mm. It is a clinic. I'm, I was kind of taken aback because I'm seeing it like, did he just completely blow by that tackle? He's 30,000 years old. What is he doing? Mario Addison got me really excited about some of the combinations that they could put up front with this with this pass rush, and one of the guys that could factor into that, I thought, was another winner today. That's Oba Okoronkwo. Holy smokes. There are a couple of absolute highlight plays today in practice. One, a pass rush, and then one, when he absolutely depleted a tight end coming back across on a split zone, and I mean, he nearly tackled Marlon Mack with the tight end that he collisioned so far backwards that 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 Mac had to avoid the tight end, like jump cut outside the tight end to get up the field. That's the one part of Obo's game that he's not really known for. He's known for his quickness and his twitch off the edge in the pass rush game. But man, if he gives you that play in the run, my goodness, there were at least three or four times I wrote his name down in my notebook and I with exclamation points. You know, like you know Julia Louis Dreyfus and Seinfeld, like exclamation point. I had to finish the
1: sentence with that. He was outstanding. We haven't even talked about last year's players, right? We haven't talked much about Jonathan Grenard back yet. At practice Ross Blacklock, Roy Lopez. We have a little bit, but a lot of the players we've been discussing are the new additions, and we were pretty excited about the guys who were coming back. Yes, you know, I know Malik. You're excited about him. He's looking like he found something yep. in this Lovey Smith system. You mentioned him this morning, and that just popped out to me as well. You know, people forget Lovey in Chicago had four defenses that were in the top four in the league, yep. right? He averaged no worse than a top 10 finish. That was the average finish right. of the Lovey Smith defense during his almost decade long run in Chicago. One of the defenses slipped into the 20s, but that was one year. Everything else was very highly ranked. Lovey knows how to coach D. Yes. And. Malik and the rest of these guys are certainly taking note and taking hold of this system.
0: And I think Malik's a guy, last year you could kind of see it, I don't want to say with the Raiders, I watched a lot of his games with the Raiders, kind of trying to figure out what the Texans were getting from the Raiders, and I thought, huh. he had just a rough, and, and look, it was hard to really judge anything off of 2020. It really was. It was tough to watch a guy, and, you know, he had been there for a year, and his you know, things just weren't clicking, he comes to the Texans, and we start seeing, he almost feels like he's on leash Unleashed, unshackled to play inside, and you kind of see that today as I'm watching watching him. His burst and his power just stand out so much. And you mentioned Roy. The first play they came down towards us in a red zone drill. We call, I call it red zone because they ball. I think the ball's at the twenty yard line, and they ran Marlon Mack on an outside, looked like an outside zone to the left. Kind of it was a wide run that I remember because Marlon was out out beyond the hash, going towards the numbers. Roy was on the opposite side of the play. But the way the blocking kind of kind of happened in, inside, Roy kind of had to skate over the top. Like that, there was like a double team that kind of got in Roy's way as he was pursuing. So Roy essentially disengaged with his guard. And then there was this path to where Mac might have been going. And all of a sudden, Roy hit the boosters. And just, whew, I mean, dead sprint and tagged off on Mac two yards in the backfield. And I ran it back, went, wait, who's I thought it was a linebacker at first? I'm like, who's sprinting through that hole? I run it back. I'm like, that's Roy. We know he's athletic. That mark was ridiculous. So you're right. Getting excited about the the players that were coming back. Here's another one: a new guy, two new guys at linebacker. Actually, three. One came back from last year, Garrett Wallow. Continues to make plays. Another one is new, and we'll hear from him later in the show, that's Blake Cashman. Blake Cashman had an interception. He had really the only opportunity at an interception today. There were two opportunities for the defense, and he created both. One was right in his hands because he made a great break on the ball, and he dropped it. And then one a little bit later, he made another great break on the ball. He dove and tipped it, and defense couldn't come up with it. But both of them came off the I hands that one. of Blake Cashman. Uh, and the other one is Christian Harris. We right now are sort of gawking at his speed, like how fast he is. And he's legit fast. We haven't really had a chance to see yet is he is a ferocious hitter. I mean, he will just, he'll smoke you when you got the ball in your hands. But they're just guys that are standing out for for a, a number of different reasons. Uh, and those were just some. And, I mean, you mentioned Blake Cashman. We saw those two intercep- potential
1: interceptions created by the former New York Jet. Well. Isn't the defense – aren't the defensive players the ones who really savor today, who really love yeah. the fact that they're in for the first time because they can make those plays, they can make hits? Look, I don't know I, – I don't know it like you know it, Johnny, but Christian Harris was impossible not to notice yep. today. A couple of times he would make back-to-back plays, and you could tell he enjoys hitting people. Oh, yeah. He's one of those guys who enjoys the contact. Oh, I'm going to have fun today. And some of the offensive players were probably thinking, Rut Row, here we go. Mm-hmm. Now they get to hit us because, look, they still don't get to hit him as hard as they normally would. <laughs> right. You see some passes downfield and you're wondering, would that guy have been blown up <laughs> in a regular game? Yeah. And yeah. does he know that he's not going to get blown up here? I'd like to think everybody sort of is playing with that proper flinch. Yeah. You know, not flinch in a bad way, but hey, I know that I can get popped here, so I better hang on to the rock. I saw it get jarred loose from a player once after a completion. Uh, there haven't been many turnovers here. No. You know, Mills, I don't believe, has thrown a pick that we've seen. When he misses, it's high or something like that. All right, better way to miss, miss high or, you know, gets knocked away. But there haven't been too many. And one of these, I wrote about this today. I read stuff from around the league, as everybody does, right, or we should, because it gives you a gauge on how this team is covered and how things are going in general. Everybody's happy about their team right now because it's training camp. Everybody's undefeated. Right. But I see a lot of quarterback stats being put out there by reporters watching teams. Oh, so-and-so is, you know, five for eight. T- in this session. And on the day, they're 22 of 37. I'm thinking, really, you're going to put those stats out there because the percentage hike percentage here rather is pretty high. I can tell you that there's no doubt in my mind that the percentage yep. is very high as far as completions go from mills and the other quarterbacks too, but especially mills. And that's who are focused on more than anybody. And I'm not going to put it out there, but that doesn't mean it's perfect. They got a lot of work to do. they got to get this thing, right? But, they're not turning it over. They are moving it, and so far, so good. You're only, what, four days of practice into this thing yeah. as of tomorrow.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Pass catchers, who's standing out to you? And by pass catchers, you know what I mean. Tight, tight, tight ends, ends wide receivers, even running backs. Have I think Bre-
1: Brevin's been very noticeable out there. We've talked about him a bunch this offseason. Yeah. It looks like, look, he was inactive early on last season. Yep. Right? It took him a while to get out there. Think about that. You know, we talk about Mills being eons ahead of where he was last year. What about Brevin Jordan yeah. right now? Eons ahead. Nico, eons ahead Ooh. of where he was at this time last year because he hadn't played football during the COVID year. You know, I hate to bring up Brandon Cooks again, although I love to bring up Brandon Cooks because he's such a pro, Johnny. You're so lucky to have him on this team. He is a Rolls-Royce Ed receiver. He's one of the best receivers in the league, and he proves it every day out there. And I got to say, we've seen a couple of – the very best to ever play the game on these fields. And I don't think Cooks takes too much of a backseat to anybody. He is such a pro, such a playmaker. You've got to get good performances around him at the pass-catching position to your point, tight ends, receivers, whoever. Otherwise, he's really not going to be able to shine. Actually, he probably will anyway, put up another 1,000 and whatever, 80, 90 catches. But you want to get even more out of him this year. Who has stood out to you?
0: Well, Brev's catch... Was one of the two best of the day that he made down in the red zone. A few plays after Roy ran down Marlon Mack, a little bit high, but he got it anyway. Yeah, a little one. bit high, but he kind of had to twist and make a catch. I mean, it was a it was a stupendous. That's catch. a receiver I mean, catch, right? Yes, there. Yes, absolutely. It's great ball placement from Davis to make to put the ball right in that spot and then to go get it. Um, uh, Nico made the catch right after that. He went down They were doing. They were in a two minute, and Nico went down the sidelines, and and Davis threw a ball that. He wanted to make sure he gave Nico a chance to get it. And Nico positioned himself like he was blocking out. Like he knew he was going to take a hit from Jonathan Owens, but he had to shield J.O. from the ball. So he went up and made a catch. And then J.O. tried to go through him. And it was a little bit of contact there uh, after it. But Nico got up like, yeah, like I got that. And then they ran the two minute drill. So Nico's been, Nico's been very impressive. I'm going to give a little bit of a wild card to a guy that's been really impressive to me and I've watched nearly every route that he's run, one on one, seven on seven, team, and that's Chris Moore. No matter where they line up Chris Moore, he gets himself open and he makes the catch. And he knows what to do afterwards. I mean, we're not talking about you know a, a complete non-athlete here. He catches the ball, he gets upfield, he knows what to do with it, but he runs excellent routes. His timing is is tremendous. He during one on ones he was doing running some routes in the slot, and he was going to run a slant route. And he knew he was going to run the slant route, so he knows he's got to get from point A to point B, and he knows where B is. But he's got to time it up, and he's trying to get his release off the line of scrimmage to match up with the drop of the quarterback, and he did it perfectly. And right at the last second, he's kind of he's kind of. You know, trying to kind of hot foot release, kind of shuffling his feet, trying to get the D B to bite as if he's playing basketball at the last second he plans outside foot and cut right across. D B couldn't stay with him, stuck it right there on time on the slant. I just feel like he's done good things every single day. Every day, Chris Moore.
1: I just love I really love watching him play. There's an opportunity here yeah. because you don't have John Mechie available. Correct. Right. And Philip Dorsett hasn't been practicing all that much. Yeah. He's nicked up or whatever's yeah. wrong. And you hope that he gets back Quickly, because we talked about him a bunch in the offseason and leading up to camp, how he's going to be needed, especially without Mechie. But yeah, Moore is one of those guys who you notice. Now, let me throw two more at you, and you tell me how they're doing. And we're going to go a little bit under the radar here, or maybe a lot. Chad Beebe, what are you seeing out of him? Had a good practice today, it appeared.
0: Yeah, Chad Beebe against Tavier, Tavier Thomas was really fun to watch in, in the one on ones. It, it, I don't know if it, if they draw it up this way, the coaches that is. But Steven Nelson was going against Brandon Cooks. Sting was going against Brandon Cooks. And then uh, Nico was going against Fabian Moreau. And somehow Chad Beebe got went against Tavier Thomas. And on there was one route that Tavier just ate it up. I mean, he just played it as, about as perfectly as he possibly could. Next route, BB shook him, caught it. It was a really great matchup. A little bit later in practice, BB went down the field on out and up. Two-minute drill. Kyle Allen put it out there. He had roasted the corner, and uh, B.B. had to kind of wait for it to come down, but caught it, got in the end zone for the touchdown for that group to get into the two-minute. He's fun. He's quick. He's got really, really good hands. That is the slot receiver position. It's a little it's a little different now. It, I know that we're used to talking about slot receivers like Welker and Julian Edelman. Uh, you know, Beasley, kind of, you know, smaller, quicker guys, uh, you know, James Crowder, those kind of guys, 5'8", 5'9", but you put them in the slot because they can't play outside, and then they they shake everybody, they catch little return routes or pivots or whatever, and away you go. The colleges are now spitting out these big slots. A.J. Brown, uh, Traylon Burks, Justin Jefferson played Mm -hmm. almost the entirety of 2019 in the slot at LSU. And so you're seeing kind of an evolution of players that can play in that spot. And so the Texans have a few. Like Chris Moore is much bigger than Chad Beebe. Beebe can run all those routes that we just talked about on the inside, but he's also showing he can go down a field, which was kind of nice to see because I think if you can do that from the slot, then you got an opportunity because of the way defenses are playing. If you're going to put a safety on the inside receiver, you just cook him with that slot fave. That guy can run and go up and get it, and you got a shot. And whether that's Chris Moore Chad Beebe, Davion Davis has done some good things. The slot position is just it's changed and it's changing as we're kind of going through. But B.B. is kind of the 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 stereotypical slot that we think of. But, man, he's been highly productive. He and he and Chris Moore, I think, have been very good. All
1: right. We talk about tight ends. We talk about Brevin Jordan. We talk about, look, Farrow Brown. You know, Farrow's been good. Yep. He's got a lot of potential. But TQ becomes available as of tomorrow. He's off the pub. Tegan Couturiano. So what are you expecting from him? What can he bring to this team at that spot? Physicality at the line of
0: scrimmage. If
1: there's one
0: glaring weakness with Eau Claire not on the field, with Anthony Eau Claire, and I, I saw him in the hallway uh, earlier today, and I don't know when we're going to see him. It might, might be a while. might be like, you know, a few days. Who knows? But I got a feeling that we're probably not going to see him for a while. I think that's the way Lovey said it the other day. We're not going to see him for a while. Tegan brings that physicality at the edge of the line of scrimmage, the end of the line of scrimmage.
1: But he's a rookie. So but how long rookie. does this take for a blocking type of tight end to get going? Well, in the run game, if you can figure
0: out who to block, then you should you should be okay. Now, it's a little different blo- blocking Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack as opposed to what you're blocking in college. Mm-hmm. So that's going to take a little while, no doubt. Remember C.J. Fodorowicz and – in 14. It took him a little while, but by the end of 15, he was starting to get oh. it, and by 16, he was a heck of a... I mean, he was a tremendous Even blocker. by the
1: end of 14, and remember, he cut a touchdown oh, he pass did. from aaron Foster. He did.
0: He did. Uh, it's good to have TQ back. He's going to need those reps against Grenard, against Mario Addison, against those edge players. He's, he's definitely going to need those reps. Now, they're going to have to ramp him up slowly because he missed almost all, if not all, of OTAs in minicamp. He's missed all of training camp up to this point. So, He's been rehabbing, so he stayed in shape. I mean, dudes a rehab, they're in shape. Now, you're going to start banging a little bit, so you've got to be in football shape. But if there is a glaring weakness right now, it's that. I feel like the offensive line is going to be much improved. But if we're talking about the offensive line being much improved, that tight end spot, that that can't be a breakdown. You can't block. Say you run an outside zone. You can't block it great with those five up front, and the tight end's just getting whipped over there. Mm -hmm. Because then the defensive end is going to tell you, to cut it back, or he's going to go tackle a guy in the backfield for a TFL. So that that position becomes hugely important, and that's what Eau Claire did a really nice job with last year, um, at least giving them an opportunity to get to the edge. It wasn't perfect, but they've got to have somebody that can block the edge, and hopefully that's what TQ can step in and, and start doing at a minimum. The passing game, hey, that'll come. You get that, That's got to be like your extra credit type stuff, which you're getting graded on is whether you can block somebody at the line of scrimmage or not.
1: Another thing impossible not to notice today was Kevin Hogan not there. Not there. Yeah,
0: that was the flip side of that transaction. Kevin Hogan released today, waved out of Texans, and TQ comes off the PUP list. So Texans at three quarterbacks, back to three. They were four for a little bit, but they're back to three. Uh Davis Mills and Kyle Allen and Jeff Driscoll, and I would imagine they'll probably stay at that three for right now unless – God forbid something happens to somebody. Yeah,
1: let's not have anything happen
0: to anybody, please. No, let's not have anything happen to them or Blake Cashman or Jimmy Morrissey. They are both up next right here in Texans All Access. Next right here in Texans All Access. Next right here in Texans All Access. Next right here. here August is here. Yes, sir. Welcome into Texans All Access. August 1st, 12 days away from the Texans' first preseason game against New Orleans Saints. It'll take place at NRG Stadium on Saturday night. Cannot. Wait for that to take place. But we got plenty of training camp practices to get through. Plenty of Texas training camp live shows and a lot of Texans all-access shows. I am your host this evening, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And I had the opportunity to catch up with one of my favorite people in the building. I absolutely love this guy. I think he's everything that football's about. He's got a great demeanor. I think he's tough as a snake out on a field. And that is Jimmy Morrissey. And I tell a little bit of the story, but back in October, October or November, I can't remember. When we went to Miami last year, I had an opportunity to call the game from the booth that night. So that was my first time to ever call an NFL game from the booth, which was just incredible. It was also the first start in his young NFL career for Jimmy Morrissey at center. And I look out there, and he's going against Raekwon Davis. And I just look and think, oh my God, Jimmy, good luck. Jimmy's 6'2 and a half, maybe. 305. Raekwon's 6 6'7", 6'8", 315. And Jimmy got all in his mess, man. I loved it. That just showed me a lot about Jimmy Morrissey. We talked about that, how camp has been going. And one of his best friends, who was a first rounder last year, quarterback, the only quarterback, will do that right here with Jimmy Morrissey. All right, it's great to catch up with one of my faves in the building, Jimmy Morrissey. Now, Jimmy, you were here last year, but you weren't here for training camp. Yep, this is so, my first camp. So, the proverbial
2: first question, how are you handling the heat, big fella? Been fine. Yeah, I was here all off season and yep. during the summer, so used to the heat once it picked up. Um, this is just my first time in pads in uh, the August heat of Houston. It's been good. You and I had a chance to talk, and we kind of share something. My very first game up in an NFL booth was your first start
0: against Miami, and I look down there, and you're starting, and I look across, and there's Raekwon Davis who's like 6'8", and you're going against him. And I'm like, man, Jimmy, boy, long day ahead, but yet, you held your own. How'd you feel when you think back to your rookie year, getting the starts you did, getting the
2: playing time you did? How'd you feel overall about the way you played last year? First thing, I was extremely grateful. I had the opportunity, um, you know, looking back on it. Uh, But to be frank and honest with you, a little disappointed with my play. Uh, I learned a lot though. Which uh, you know, doing a lot of self-examination and self-scouting on myself in the in the uh, off-season, so it, it was a great learning experience. I wish I would have played better, but I know things I need to work on now, and I've already seen me you know improve them so far this camp.
0: What are the things that you wanted to do coming into this camp? Whether center, guard, whatever it might be, what was what kind of couple of things that you wanted to accomplish coming into this camp?
2: Yep, I wanted to get extremely comfortable with the playbook. I wanted to. Uh, you know, become a lot more confident just in, you know, calling the play or calling the communication up front with the guys, um, which in Pep's offense has been great. I love the terminology and what he's dialing up. Um, And then, you know, just try to be a good teammate and come out here and compete every day.
0: What's that relationship between a center and a quarterback got to be? I mean, You've seen over the years, your senators and quarterbacks always hanging out. And, of course, quarterback wants to be in a fish offensive And offensive lineman, offensive say no. But, yeah, you've got to have that communication. It's got to be on point between the two of you. How was that, and how was it with Davis last year, the start you had with him?
2: It was good. It was really good. Davis and I are close friends. Um, even with all the quarterbacks in the center's room, we're all pretty tight. We spend a lot of time with each other. And you have to, you know, like you said, you have to know how we communicate, and you got to be on the same page at all times. So they do a really good job of that. And JB, Scott, and I, you know, we make sure that we spend a lot of time with quarterbacks.
0: Okay, having gone to Pitt, and you're from Pittsburgh, correct? I'm from Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Oh, ooh, boy. boy. Yeah,
2: across the state, yeah. Fighting words or no? No, no, I love both cities. They're both home cheesesteak or primanti brothers sandwich cheesesteak all the way
0: cheese okay steak. here now here's the uh here's the other one is the uh the pork sandwich which one's better the cheesesteak or the pork? Are you going with cheesesteak all the way cheesesteak okay
2: yeah i'm a cheesesteak guy <laughs> all the way <laughs>
0: primanti brothers no way
2: no i like primanti brothers loved it i had a lot of time. i had a lot of you know fun lunches and dinners at primanti brothers in college but the cheesesteak is just close to home for me all right in college i gotta ask this because i love the draft in
0: college you had Kenny Pickett's hands underneath you now you see him going to Pittsburgh Steelers when you see a former teammate friend of yours make it in the NFL what does it mean to you to see guys that you played with or guys that you played against in high school maybe in Philadelphia make it into the league because not a lot of guys end up making it to this point
2: I love it I love seeing my you know friends and former teammates succeed especially Kenny he's one of my closest friends uh just extremely proud of him he could have came out last year and gotten drafted uh the year i came out in 21 but he bet on himself went back and was the highest drafted quarterback and he's gonna do great things in pittsburgh i'm really excited to see him play
0: 3 preseason games coming up i mean they're not gonna get here as fast as, as we'd like them all to but first day in pads was today how'd you feel to get the pads back on you guys have to go all off season you can't hit anybody you can only do so much But then you get to kind of
2: unleash today. How's that feel? Fantastic. Football's back. So (laughs) I love love the sport. This is what I love to do, and I'm happy it's back.
0: Okay, in high school and college in particular, I had a lot of guys that talk trash in a locker room. Yeah, wait till the pads get on. Then you get them on the field, and you're like, come on, you're a poser. Does that happen in the NFL too, or are just guys pretty quiet about it until they get on the field?
2: It does, but there's a professional relationship in the locker room here, and it's also, you know, we're all friends, and we're, we're, all, we're trying to achieve a common goal. We're trying to be Super Bowl champs this year. So there is a lot of banter, which is good. It's a football locker room, but uh, there's also a good working relationship we have between y'all you know, offense and defense on this team. Jimmy Morrissey, appreciate your time, brother. John, thank you.
0: That dude needs to keep his day job because he's good on the mic, but – you know, I had to probe for information about Kenny Pickett. The Texans won't face the Steelers this year, at least not until uh, if there's a playoff meeting at that point. But uh, Kenny Pickett, first-round rookie. And one of the things that Jimmy said that resonated with me, as he said it was, he bet on himself. He went and bet on himself. He went back to Pitt for the 2021 year, and he had Mark Whipple by his side, the offensive coordinator. And that's somebody that I know well from my days at Brown. I didn't play for Whip, but... He was in love with Brown. He actually recruited Episcopal down in Jacksonville when I was there. He came the year after I graduated. So I know Whip. Mark knows him from his days at UMass. We love him, and we saw what Whip was doing last year with Kenny Pickett, and it was just it was fantastic. It was absolutely great stuff. His center for three years was Jimmy Morrissey from Philly, went to Pitt. Interesting. and He likes him some cheesesteaks. So do I. I'm pretty sure I could eat a cheesesteak every single day. I shouldn't, and I won't because I shouldn't, but I could. I could eat a cheesesteak every single day. My son's the same way. We, we absolutely love cheesesteaks, and I don't know, maybe we should have lived in Philadelphia because that's the case. But there are a lot of other things that I like to eat too, a lot of other things I like to eat, including a Juicy Lucy, which is famous in Minneapolis where the University of Minnesota is. And I mentioned the University of Minnesota because our next interview – Played his college ball at the University of Minnesota. And he was a tremendous player for the Golden Gophers. And I thought he had a career playing in the NFL. I didn't see him blown up the combine when he was coming out of Minnesota. And that was Blake Cashman. And immediately upon arriving with the New York Jets, that guy was in the starting lineup. But since he arrived, it's been an injury, it's been an injury, it's been injuries. When that dude is healthy... He has been highly productive. So I was very curious to see what we were going to get from Blake Cashman in training camp. You can read my observations at HoustonTexas.com, the Harris hits, and one of them today is about Blake Cashman, the fact that there were two interceptable balls today, and they were both a result of Blake Cashman. One, he made a break on a ball, hit him right in the hands, dropped it. The second one, he wasn't going to pick it off, but he darted in front of a receiver and, I mean, dove in front of a receiver knocked the pass away, almost ended up in the hands of the defender. Then they got in the interceptions, but, man, they made some plays. Garrett Wallow made a few yesterday, uh, Saturday, I should say, and then today was Blake Cashman. Well, Blake Cashman, who has been very impressive, speed, four-five speed, great feet. I just watched his feet at practice, very, very impressive. Blake Cashman caught up with our good friend Mark Vandermeer. Vandy, take it away.
1: Blake Cashman with us. Blake, what's it been like coming to Houston and being part of
3: this thing? It's been absolutely great since I've gotten here, Um, you know, immediately jumped into a great room, uh, a room with uh, a lot of depth at linebacker, uh, a lot of experience, a lot of great leadership and, uh, you know, my my teammates, my other linebackers in the room I'm with, uh, all the coaches, staff, everyone's kind of accepted me, been very professional and welcoming and uh, it already feels like home. For Texans fans who don't know about the Blake Cashman game, tell us what you bring to the table here for this team. I think I bring a lot of versatility to the field. Uh, I think I can play all three linebacker spots, uh, Mike, Will, and Sam. Obviously, uh, so far in my career, when I've been healthy, I've uh, been kind of known for my special teams play, but I think if you were to go and look back at my film, my rookie year when I was fortunate enough to be starting. Each week you'd see how much I improve and uh, just let alone when I've been here I felt like I've made great strides and uh, you know that's also credit to the coaches and guys I'm in the room with because they've been so helpful and just teaching me the new system uh, teaching me the techniques that are required at the linebacker position here for the Texans so uh, I'm excited to you know see how I progress and uh, where I'm at come um, the end of the preseason.
1: Like, we all know there's a huge difference between what you're doing out here, even in pads, and in the games. But for special teams, is there even a greater difference? Because you guys are practicing how to line up and some technique stuff, but it's real guns blazing out there when you're on the field in a game situation.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's man-on-man. Man. It's it's war once you step between the, the white lines. Uh, it, you know, I think it's all about no matter what position you are in offense or defense or special teams. It's about knowing who the man is across from you and that comes in preparation during the week and studying game film because uh, at least for for special teams, I, uh, I I think kickoff return, you know, having to run downfield set and block a guy that's running a, a 40 as fast as he can down, you, uh, down the field is uh, as hard as it gets. But knowing who that, that man is, is, is he a guy that's going to give you a lot of speed and wiggle and try to just run by you? Is he a guy that's going to try to get you to set your feet and then run through you? It's all about just knowing the man across from you um, and studying throughout the week, and that's going to set you up for success come game time.
1: Blake Cashman with us how hard is it to not blow
3: people up in a padded practice when in a game situation you could (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a great question because you know especially once we put the pads on for the first time there's obviously a lot of uh more excitement coming into practice everyone's ready to start hitting and it really starts to feel like football again uh but you know it comes with experience I think and uh just understand the big picture you know the healthiest teams are usually the ones that go uh, the farthest and have the most success. So uh, it's all about getting great quality work in, but at the same time taking care of your teammates. So uh, obviously you got to thump around uh, out there a little bit just to get accustomed to uh, hitting in the physicality. But at the end of the day, you want to take care of your teammates, keep everyone up, keep everyone healthy. So um, we have everyone we need come game time
1: all right you're from minnesota and you played for the jets so you lived in suburban new york new jersey so what's
3: that like compared to houston in your opinion the experiences uh i mean the climate's a major difference i think that's uh the obvious uh thing to point out but uh in terms of uh kind of living in the city and working within the city kind of brings me back to uh my college days because when I. Uh, played at University of Minnesota, our campus was right there, basically in downtown Minneapolis. So um, being back in kind of like a downtown area, uh, you know, makes me feel like I'm in college again a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it's very different from being in the suburbs of uh, New Jersey. But I've loved it so far. Everyone's been so great to me, and uh, I hope everything, you know, works out for me personally down here. Uh, We hope so, too. Blake, thanks a lot. Thank you.
0: One thing has stood out to me, a number of things have stood out to me, but one thing in particular, especially with these linebackers, A, they can all run, and B, this is a deeper group at at linebacker than maybe they even anticipated. The addition of Christian Harris trading for Blake Cashman and bringing him to Houston, uh, those two additions, and you throw in Garrett Wallow's rise, bringing back uh, Christian Kirksey and having Kamu grugier Hill come back, along with Kevin Pierre-Lewis You've got a lot of guys in this linebacker room, uh, and then you get to a point where you see a guy like Tay Davis, and you're like, man, he's he's good. This depth at linebacker has been very impressive. And oh, by the way, Neville Hewitt is still here hitting dudes left and right. All right, we get back. We'll go around the league. Obviously, there was a a big announcement made today from Sue L. Robinson. We'll touch on that just a little bit. We'll go around the league next right here on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this Monday edition of Texas All Access. Glad you've been with me, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and the author of Harris Hits: My Training Camp Observations. I've been doing them since 2014, although they've been uh, sidetracked at times uh, because I was asked to sidetrack them. Uh, but they're back, and hopefully, you guys enjoy them. Today's effort is meaty, it's beefy, it's lengthy, but you're gonna get a lot. From it, HoustonTexas.com. Go check it out, the app. Uh, You can also check out my 90 man roster preview. You can check out the first two days. Each morning, I try and tweet out if you miss it. Um, So if you don't have the time now, oh, John, remind me in the morning. Yes, I will remind you in the morning uh, to do that as such. Texas Training Camp Live, 8 to 10 tomorrow. And on today's show, we talked briefly about the suspension that is soon to be handed down by the NFL. Now, Sue L. Robinson has been investigating this case with Deshaun Watson and determined six games was the number. Now, the NFL has three days to appeal. That's been built into the CBA. We'll see what the NFL does at this point. But if the suspension does stay at six games, I thought it was interesting to kind of look at what are the Browns looking at. And so Mark and I actually pulled up. We did this kind of off the air this afternoon at some point. We looked at, okay, well, if if it is six games – and what six games is he missing? Well, they start at Carolina where they'll face Baker Mayfield, revenge game. Then they face the Jets. Could very well be 2-0. Third game against the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. Fourth game, Atlanta. They could be 4-0 right out of the shoot with Jacoby Brissett. Fifth game is at Atlanta, which Deshaun will miss. That's his hometown. The sixth game, one two three four five sorry, fifth game is Los Angeles against the Chargers. That's at home, as is a trip from the Patriots. So, Chargers and Patriots at the end of the six. Then Deshaun returns. They go at Baltimore back home against Cincinnati on a Monday night. A bye week. Then they go four out of five on the road at Buffalo, at Miami, at Buffalo, against the Buccaneers. That's the only home game, the Bucks. They come to Houston and then they go to Cincinnati. Four to five after the bye week. So after the sixth game. The Browns will play five out of seven games on the road, and they play playoff team Ravens. I'm sorry. They weren't a playoff team last year. My bad. They've been. Super Bowl uh, contender Cincinnati. Miami won 10 games. Buffalo is probably the best team in the NFL. They play the Bucs, maybe the second best team in the NFL. They play us. Hopefully, we're going to be much better. And then they play Cincinnati uh, at Cincinnati. That is a rough, rough go. And it doesn't finish well either. After Cincinnati, they play Baltimore at home, New Orleans at home. They do go to Washington like we do. No, Washington comes here. And then they play at Pittsburgh. That is a rough 11-game finish to the schedule, if it does indeed stay at six games for Deshaun Watson. All right, a big thanks to Mark, to my man Chris Santiago,
1: to Blake Cashman, Jimmy Morrissey, to all you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow, buddy. as always, go Texans.